All right, on to my message for today. Okay, <clears throat> so, you know, I was, I was reading some statistics and World War II was considered to be the deadliest war in human history. Over 50 million soldiers, not counting casualties and, and other people, over 50 million soldiers died fighting against Hitler. Hitler was evil. He was an evil, evil man. I mean, he had a single agenda, and that was world dominance at any cost to run and rule the world. And he was taking over the whole world, and so the whole world fought back against him. They fought for the sanctity of life. They went out, and it didn't matter the cost. They gave their lives because they were giving their life so that their children and their children's children would be safe. They were fighting. It didn't matter how many people died, how many people gave their lives, because they, were, they had an end goal in mind, and that end goal was peace. What would you die for? It's not a question that we, we often ask ourselves, because we live in the Western world where it's not really an issue we have to worry about right now anyway. But who or what would you die for? Would it be your family? Would you die for your wife or your child? What would you be prepared to suffer for them? How much? See, uh, most of us here, I think, would say that they would give their all. They would be prepared to give their all if they knew that the end result is that their child would be safe or their family would be safe. I want you to take that emotion and I want you to move it into Jesus, into God's kingdom. What are you willing to suffer for God's kingdom? How much are you willing to give for Jesus' sake? How much would you be willing to suffer at your cost for Jesus' end goal for his kingdom in this earth? See, instead of the thought that Jesus is going to make my life perfect. Come to Jesus because he's going to make your life perfect. He's going to answer all your prayers and your life is going to be perfect. Instead, we should ask people, how much are you willing to give? How much are you willing to suffer? Because God, Jesus loves you more than anybody could possibly love you on the whole planet. But he has a mission. He has an end goal. That's his kingdom. When you come into God's kingdom, you come in to join his cause. He has a cause. He has, an, he has a plan that he wants that if you look at it, sort, sort of world dominance, but not at the expense of killing people. What would you be willing to suffer for God's kingdom to see heaven on earth? Because he said he wants heaven on earth it is supposed to look like his kingdom here on earth we are his ambassadors this is his embassy right now here in the church this should be his embassy if you're an ambassador you go to the embassy that's your safe haven nobody can touch you there that is where everything that's like your country exists in that embassy so when you come to church you, it's the safe haven where you get built back up in the embassy you get to be around other like-minded ambassadors for his kingdom you get to find out what the new strategy is for that city 
What is the end goal? What is his end goal for your life? As the end of this year quickly approaches, it's the time where a lot of us spend time in reflection. We think about maybe some of the things that went wrong, some of the mistakes we made, maybe the happy times, maybe the sad times, the successes. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about how you reflect. As you reflect this year, I want you to reflect with these two words in mind. No regrets. <laughs> She's like, that's hard. <laughs> Trust me, as I was typing it, I was like, this is hard. Because <laughs> I try to... I, I, I had so many different sermon ideas that kept popping up in my head. And every time I'd lay my head back down, the Holy Spirit would say, no regrets. I'm like, really, though? Because I could name a few. <laughs> I'm like, this is not easy, God. He's like, no regrets. I'm like, oh, yeah. Because when I said those words, everything you didn't do this year, everything you wanted to do, every mistake you made or everything you wish you would have done just flooded your mind when I said that as it did mine as I was typing it. I'm like, how, God? How can we say no regrets? And he said, if you have my end goal in mind. When you understand that you are a child of God, that you are an ambassador for his kingdom, that you are in his plan, that everything you do, all that gets done to you, God will work out for his plan. That he will use it for his glory. When I preached earlier this year on dream another dream and I talked about Joseph's experience and I talked about how he went, he was thrown into the pit, then part of his house, then the prison, all to get him to the palace. It was all part of his journey, 13 years of pretty much hell to get him to where God wanted him. It was all part of God's plan. See, when you can look back at your life and realize and see God's plan in your life, you will lay down the regrets. You will lay them down. Because you will look back and go, okay, God, it's all in your plan. Paul says it this way, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press on toward the goal to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Easier said than done, Paul. Jeez. When my dad went to be with uh, Jesus in July this year, um, there's, there's supposedly seven stages of grief, if you've ever heard that before. Um, it's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and blah, blah, blah. Turns out there's something to that, <laughs> those seven stages. Uh, denial wasn't so much for me. It was really like the first week of the denial of like what just happened. Although I still, have, I still have moments of denial, I'll be honest. I walk into the office or I see a photo and I'm like, 
what is happening? Like I, like I say it with, like I say it that would make my dad laugh because I'm like, what on earth did you do? Like how, well, this is not happening right now. This is not my world. This is not my life. Like, so <laughs> denial still has moments. Uh, anger, not so much anger, because I understood he was in heaven. And um, so not, not anger, but bargaining. So bargaining for most people, a lot of people bargain with God. You know, they're like, oh, if I could do this and this and this, you give him back. I, I understood that wasn't the case. But bargaining was when you replay the last two or three months over and over and over in your head, every moment where you're like, oh, I wish I would have known that the yellowing in his body was poison and it was making him feel so sick. I wish I would have called 911 sooner because I made him suffer longer. I wish I wish I wouldn't have forced that last painkiller on him that made him unconscious. I wish I wouldn't have. And the list goes on and on. So <clears throat> there's these like regrets that you would play over and over and again in your head. And the crazy thing was I, I knew that that pancreatic cancer, it was inevitable. It wasn't like, you know, one of the doctors walked in and he said to him, you know, this is what gets you, right? This is how you go. Like he was very sure, like this is it, you know? And so it wasn't a case, like even when your mind replays this, it's so ridiculous in a way because you're like, what was I going to do? Extend his life for a week? You know, was I going to extend it for two weeks? And I'd be like, oh, I just wish I could go back to that moment. And I'd be like, and do what? And make him suffer all over again. If I had a time machine, he'd have to relive it all again. I'd have to relive it all again. I mean, it absolutely makes no sense. Bargaining makes absolutely no sense, but you're stuck in it. And it was like, I would do my best to pull myself out of it every day and say, he's in heaven. He's in heaven. And if you don't believe in heaven, I don't know how you get out of bargaining. I believe in heaven. And so I would picture him in heaven and I would picture him having the most amazing time where he's like, Cindy, I don't even care. I can't even remember the last two months. I'm literally in heaven, like in God's presence, surrounded by his love and filled with him and just my very being like, he's in heaven. Like, you know, but here on earth, it's like my loss, right? My loss of like, oh, I just wish I would have had more time. I just wish I could have... And I really struggled. I struggled through this, through this bargaining. And it really wasn't until the final really letting go of it came when I laid down what I thought God should have done or could have done or what I believe events could have transpired. And I was like, what is your and goal, God. What is God's plan? And as the Lord began to reveal to me, not just his end goal for dad's life, but how even though, even the leaving of dad is what was needed to propel me and the promised church into the new season. And it's such a hard, strange, horrible thing to say. If you're human, if you are not spiritual, it's a horrible thing to say. But when you step into the spirit, 
when you can see through the eyes of your spirit, when you look through God's eyes, the future and you see and you understand and I can't take you with me on every single step, every journey, I can't do it. But if you could, you would understand the drastic difference of what God has already begun to do in our life and the Promised Church and to our online family. It's just incredible. And it's so crazy to think, God, why couldn't I have while he was here? It's just the way it works. Because that, um, that mantle and the spirit is not transferred until the person leaves. But it was time. And the way you're going to let go of the regrets in your life is the same way. It's the same way. It's when you look to God's plan for your life. What is God's plan for your life? The problem is some of you are so attached to your past, God can't bring you into your future. If I kept holding on to everything about my dad and wanting him here and the way he did everything and his thoughts and his ideas and everything he was to me, as amazing as he was, I couldn't step into what God's got for me, who I am supposed to be, my race with the Lord. This applies to every single area in your life, your marriage, your family, your work, your business, everything. I know this year for some people was a season of testing. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> you know, and the thing is, it's how do you respond? How are you going to respond in the test? Do you lean on your own understanding? Do you look to the Lord? Where does your help come from? And in all honesty, you're not going to know these answers until you're faced with the crisis. You're not going to know the answer if you're going to lean on God or not until you encounter a problem, a disappointment, or a huge crisis in your life. And then the question is, do you trust Him? Hmm. You go to church, you say you love Him. But do you trust him? Whatever the outcome. See, we like to say we trust God. Yes, because this is going to happen and this is going to come through and he's going to do this. What if it doesn't? Do you trust God? Whatever the outcome. Succeed or fail. The relationship works or you get divorced. You make the money or you go bankrupt. They live or they die. Do you trust him? Whatever the outcome. See, the testing shows you this is what the testing will reveal to you. It will reveal to you where your trust truly lays. Is it in him? What's not tested cannot be trusted. That goes both ways. You're like, well, I'm, I, I, I want to see if God comes through because, you know, my trust. No, God is seeing, can he trust you? Can he trust you that you trust him? Whatever the outcome. Are they going to hang on to me? Are they going to trust me? Are they going to trust me no matter what they see or what they think I didn't answer for them? Are they still going to trust me? 
Because what he's got for you is bigger and greater than you're seeing. But even in the bigger and the greater will be disappointments and setbacks and letdowns that you think he should have done something about. You think, wow, if I could just get to where Pastor Cindy is spiritually, then I wouldn't have to deal with all these setbacks and failures and disappointments. <laughs> they just get deeper. The test is not meant to kill you, but it's meant to prove what's inside of you. And maybe for some of you, you feel like, oh man, I did not pass that test. I've been there, folks. <laughs> I've been there. But you know what it does is it allows you an opportunity to focus on something to strengthen that area. Now you're like, man, I, I need to read some more scriptures on that. I need to focus on that. Or I need to pay more attention to this part of my life because I didn't realize it was weak there. And that's, that's what it's for. You're not a failure because of it. You're only a failure if you give up now. While you're still breathing, God has a plan for you. And honestly, the biggest growth in your life you will ever experience is in the hard times, in the painful times. Shockingly, you don't grow in the good times. Because a lot of times when things are good, your devotional time gets less, your prayer time gets a little less. Because you're like, God, you got me, you're good. <laughs> right? But as you continue to grow and walk with the Lord, then certain scriptures become alive to you. And one of them is James. If you read James chapter 1 and verse 2, he says this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Man, I get it. Some verses in the Bible, they don't become alive until you've actually lived them. Then they become alive to you. And you might have heard me say this, but I've never grown in my life spiritually with the Lord as much as I've grown in the last five months through the greatest loss I've ever experienced. I've been through trials in my life. I've been through betrayals. I've been through heartache. I've been through a lot of things. And God grew me during those times as well. I know. I've, I've grown with the Lord. But never so much as what I've experienced. Because as he says in that scripture, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Another word there is endurance. Another word for it is patience. The Greek describes it in any one of those three words. Patience, perseverance, endurance. There's a reason why, though. It's so that you would be mature, complete, and lacking nothing. Maybe for some of you this year, you were stripped of things that, that were important or you thought that were important. Maybe for others, things were revealed, came up to the surface. And when you look at this year, you're like, oh, man, I wish that wouldn't have happened. I wish that wouldn't have come out. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I would have not done that. And you want to wish it away because it was painful. But the thing is, without those moments, without what happened, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to grow. 
you wouldn't have had the opportunity to grow. I don't know if you've, if you've ever lifted weights um, for exercise, you know, to like work out, like to build muscle. So you increase the weights, you know, you go and you're like, you're doing biceps and you start with five pounds and 10 pounds and you start to increase the weight. But when you work out at the next day, if you've ever worked out, you know, you're like, oh, I can't move my muscles, right? Because what you don't know is you're actually micro tearing the muscle. That's what's happening. Micro tears. It was funny because Candace this week, she, she worked with us. And every time she went to sit down, she was like, ha, 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 ha. I was like, what's happening? She's like, I've been working out with Julie. Who's the next body lifter? Body weight lifter. Body lifter? Body weight lifter. I think I forgot the weights. You just lifted bodies. There you go. Bodybuilding. I was like, that does not sound right. So every time... Candace did anything. She was like, ah, ah, ah. I was like, I was like, don't sit down, just stay standing. <laughs> but you know, it, it's so painful because what you're doing is actually micro tearing the muscle. But what happens is when those micro tears begin to heal, they heal stronger and larger than ever before. Yeah. Folks, come on. Your tearing has not been for nothing. Your pain has not been for nothing. Your stretching and your crying has not been for nothing. Your pain that you've experienced deep in your soul, those moments of crying, has not been for nothing. You are healing as a stronger, more powerful you. Say no regrets. No regrets. See, God's end goal is for you to be mature, complete, Lacking nothing. Mature, complete, lacking nothing. Because this is what your faith does. As you hang on, as you persevere, that builds endurance, that builds patience in you. And it is strengthening you. He is maturing you. Trust me, you are growing so much. And if you could look back with no regrets because you go, man, look how much I've grown. Look what I have gone through and I'm still standing. Look at what we've achieved. Look how this is God. This is going to be, you're using all of that for my good. And as we say goodbye to 2023, this is the time where you should be asking God, what does he have for 2024 for you? The big mistake people make is they wait till January to start seeking the Lord. People, you know, usually January 1st, they'll write down their, their list of, um, what are those things called? Resolutions. It's not a bad idea to think about things you want to change or things you want to implement into your life. But this is the time to ask God now. Not Christmas week because it's too much family and all that happening. Now, this month of December. Before, what has he got for your life for 2024? God never starts anything he hasn't already finished. Jesus was slain before the foundations of the world. Meaning before he created the earth, Jesus had already died. They had, it's already existed. He has already lived through your 2024. I don't know about you, but I could have used some more insight for 2023. Right? I, so when you're going into this next year, you need to know, God, what have you got planned for me? What in my life do I need to be prepared for? What opportunity do I need to know that's coming up? What should I plan? How should I dream? What should I do, God? Because he's already 
seeing your 2024. There's a bunch of scriptures that tell us to ask God. We'll put up just a couple of them for you. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you know not. Call unto me and I will answer you, meaning you ask first. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will tell you things to come. God wants you to ask him. The thing with God is he wants a conversation. He is so desperate to have a conversation with you. He created you not as servants to run around for him. He created you to have a relationship with, have a conversation with. So he wants you to sit with him and seek him. So this is the time where God might, he might reveal it to you. You might give you, uh, <clears throat> you might have, uh, your imagination starts to run with the Lord. And maybe you, you see, you're like, oh, I see myself, uh, my business. I feel like I see two businesses. So you start to see it in your mind. It's a vision. It's an imagination when you start to talk with the Lord. Maybe you see, oh, I see two businesses. That's, that's strange. Am I supposed to split that off? Write it down. You might not have every answer, but write down what he begins to show you. Maybe you see yourself... It uh, looks like you're doing a podcast and, there's, uh, and there's, there's children. Maybe you're writing a children's book. Maybe there's something you're doing, but you have to use your imagination. You have to allow the Lord to give you a vision. And, and that's a way he talks. He might talk to you in your dreams. He might talk to you through somebody else. Begin to write it down. In Habakkuk, in the Bible, it says, uh, it says with, to write down the vision. Write down the vision. Meaning whatever your year is supposed to look like, you should have things written down, not just your own goals, but lining up with what God's purpose is for you. Because you can have your plan and miss his purpose. So you want to see if the two are congruent. A vision or a dream is the ability to see beyond what actually exists right now. And God tells us all through scripture, this is a possibility. This is something we do. This is something you can do. It is not something that's far out there. You use your imagination daily. You know, nothing is ever created or invented without it being imagined first. It starts here. So whatever you want to see in your life happen from your own personal body to your finances, to your relationship, to your future starts here in the imagination. God, God says like this, where there is no vision, people perish. You have to have a vision. Maybe that vision, so when you're starting to look at your goals, combining with God's purpose, you're praying. You're like seeking him about this one thing. Lord, what is your divine plan for me for this year? Maybe he brings up to you getting healthy and you're like, oh, yes, I want to lose weight. Don't write lose weight. It's the wrong concept. Because they're skinny, unhealthy people. That is not a definition of health. Right? I want to be healthy. Go get some blood work done. See what your blood work screams at you. And then be like, ooh, ooh, okay. Those things. For some of you, it might be sugar. You're like, I need to lower my sugar. You don't have to cut everything out, but you might have to cut out a lot of things. You know, you might have to cut out some of those pastas and pizzas and burgers and stuff because there's so much sugar in fast food, it's ridiculous. Do you know that sugar is more addictive to the brain than heroin? And you want to get free of these things because God wants you to have a long life. And sugar is one of the number one causes of so many sicknesses and diseases, including brain fog and all kinds of stuff. Don't get me started. 
I'm not asking you to cut out everything, but if you wanna get healthy, there's things you're gonna to have to say, I'm gonna stop this. I'm gonna cut this out for an end goal. The end goal is God's got me here for a reason. Not one of you got put on the earth to just do nothing, to just go to work, have a family and die one day. No, the object of life is not to arrive safely at death. <laughs> Some people live that way. Some of you look back at your year and you're like, yeah, mm, didn't accomplish much. That's not how you should look at 2024. Every breath is valuable. There's people that, that don't have the ability, maybe don't have the ability of their limbs or have lost ability to move. And I'm telling you, they would love to be able to get out and exercise or work or go talk or go run or go socialize. There's so many things that you have to put down and be like, you know what? No, God has called me to reach the nations. Why not you? Why not you? And the, re the way you will accomplish those end goals is if you have the goal in mind that I'm in God's kingdom. I'm an ambassador for God and he's got a plan for my life. So I need to be in the best possible shape I can. So being healthy might be one of them. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take at least three days and I want you to fast and pray. Now, as I said, that half of you left the church. <laughs> Like, did she just say the F word fast? <gasps> I'm going to help you, okay? Don't freak out. I'm going to give you the easy way to do this, okay? So you can have your cup of coffee in the morning. And then fast lunch. Don't have lunch. Just drink water. No juices, just water. And then at nighttime, by 6 o'clock, you can break it with a really light, healthy dinner. Not a pizza like a salmon salad or a chicken salad or something really healthy and light. And what you do in your lunch break, if it's 30 minutes or an hour, whatever it is, it's only 30 minutes, you read the Bible for 15 minutes and then you pray in the spirit for 15 minutes. This does not exclude your normal morning time. You're doing and above, okay? So your normal morning time, or if you, if you have your devotion at night, this is and, okay? Because what you're wanting to do, fasting, is not cutting out the TV. There is no scripture for cutting out TV and Netflix as fasting. That's called discipline. God doesn't care that you cut out looking at your phone and call it a fast. The object of a fast all through scripture is to humble yourself. You are not moving God. This doesn't say, oh, look, I'm fasting. Oh, God's, it was like, oh, look at that person fasting. I'll go talk to them. No, God is always speaking, we're not listening. So what this does is you humble your body. You tell your body, you're not going to talk the loudest to me. Because right now, you, all your bodies talk the loudest. Because you'll be in a conversation, you'll be like, oh, I got to go eat. I got to go eat right now. I, I'm going to pass out. I got hangry coming on. I, 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 I don't care what you're saying. I'm sorry you're crying. And I'm sorry you're, I got to go though. I got to go eat. Why? Because your body is your God. And that's who you listen to the loudest. So what you're doing is you're shutting your body down. You're humbling yourself so that you can hear God more clearly. So you humble yourself. You miss the lunch. You pray. You pray in the spirit. For the three days, you can do five. You can do however many you want to. If you need more, that's fine. If you want to skip dinner as well and fast for the three days, drink lots of water. If you're pregnant or nursing, no fasting. If you're on any kind of medication, you need to see your doctor. If you can eat a smaller amount, that's up to you. But please, you know, don't, don't be silly with it. 
But if you can, just cut out the lunch and use that time. And when you pray in the spirit, I want you not to pray about anything else. You have one singular focus for the three days you pray. You don't pray for your family. You don't pray for anything else. You pray for one single thing. God, I want your divine alignment. I want your divine direction for this year. I want your purpose for my life. I want your plan for my life. This is my one request. You come with one request, you'll get an answer. Most of you come with 50 and then you don't know if he spoke to you because you left before he even answered. So you want to pray that one thing. Father, what do you want me to do this coming year? Lord, I want, you, I want to know your plans for my life. I'm going to sit at your feet, Lord, until you speak to me. This is my request. The reason why you pray in the Spirit is because when you're praying in tongues, not only are you edifying yourself, you're building yourself up, but it's God's language. You're praying in His language, His tongue. And what you do is you, you allow your imagination to see what the Lord is going. If he starts to, if you start to suddenly have little pictures flash through your mind of your, of your business or your work or maybe your family, don't shut them down because maybe that's God trying to show you something, okay? Allow it to go, see where it goes with it and be like, oh, oh, take my kids to Disneyland? That's like, you want me to do that? Yeah, maybe he does. Write it down. Write down, I'm not promoting Disneyland, but <laughs> take it back, cut the tape. Um, what you want to do is what those thoughts are, write them down. Okay. They'll make more sense as it goes. Don't put the pressure on yourself. Like don't expect God to be like, I want you to open a business. Remember he doesn't speak that way. It's impressions. You'll have an impression, a thought, maybe speak, God speak to me, speak to me, father, give me dreams, Lord, give me a vision. Have somebody come and speak to me, father, open my eyes to, to see what you've got for me. And then be looking in those days everywhere. Maybe it's a person that you talk to. Maybe it's uh, something you read in the scripture. Maybe you have a dream that night. Whatever it is, be listening for the answer. One singular answer. And again, it might be different things he shows you. Oh, I feel like you want me to get healthy. All right, I'm going to put that down. I'm going to get healthy this year, Lord. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Okay, maybe it's I need to write that, that, that novel. I need to start that podcast. I need to, you know, whatever I need to do whatever it is, and then you can start to align your plans. Well, God, I'm feeling like I, I want to do this and this and this. And while you're praying, you sense, okay, that feels like, okay, God, you're good with that. Okay, I'm going to put that on the list. Or, oh, I'm not, oh, oh I feel like I'm uncertain about that. Because Lord will speak to you as you begin to write down your ideas and dreams. Because God wants you to have dreams too. So during that time, you have to expand your, your dreams. All right, Lord, man, okay, what, what I, I would love to just, I would love to double my business this year, and I'm not sure what that exactly looks like, but that's my, that's my goal. God, is, is this a good plan? Is this what we should do? You know, and maybe the Lord says triple it. You're like, whoa, okay, triple. Let's write that down. So you write down the goals because God wants all of that for you. Every single one of you, he, he wants abundance in your life. He wants health in your life. He wants prosperity. He wants healing. He wants all of these things. He wants them. So it's important to write this down. Don't wait until January because then you don't know what opportunity you've already missed that was waiting for you on the 1st of January and you missed it because you weren't looking for it. Which people am I supposed to know, God? Who am I supposed to meet with this year? What else? How am I supposed to expand? Give yourself time. Take it seriously. The reason you fast, of course you can say, oh, God can talk to me without fasting. Of course you can. But there's an element of how serious is it to you? 
How important is it to you? I did a message where I talked about how God views sacrifice. Now, yes, sacrifice food is for us. It's to humble ourselves. But it's showing you I'm taking this time, Lord, and I am not going to eat because I want to hear from you. I need to hear from you, what you have to say during this time. All right? So that's why we do it. I'm going to finish with this scripture. Hebrews chapter 12. It says this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. He's talking about all the people that have gone on ahead of us. All the people in heaven. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What he's saying there is lay aside every weight and the sin. Notice he didn't say sins. He said the sin that so easily ensnares us. Meaning there's weights in your life and there's sin in your life that easily ensnares you, weighs you down, and pulls you back from running your race. This sin, not every sin. Each of us have something that bothers you. Maybe it creeps up. Maybe it's, maybe it's not something big like, oh, I, have to, I keep sleeping with my boyfriend. That's a big sin, you know, or, you know, something you're really trying to, that's like the obvious big ones is what I'm trying to say. Oh, I keep lying to my boss. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's whatever it is that's, that's dragging you down. And then he says, lay down every weight. Some of you pick up other people's cares all the time, other people's concerns, other people's things all the time, and it weighs you down. I have a saying that I'm around people and I'll say, you know what, I appreciate it, but that's not my burden to carry. Because people will try and give me their burdens, and I will give you what to do about it, but, and I'll say, that's not my burden to carry. You have to understand what's your burden to carry. But some of you just pick it all up. Your kids, your husband, your everything, you just carry it all. And God is saying, lay the weight down because you're slowing down your race. Then he says, keep your eye on the goal line. Keep your eye on Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of your faith. And he says, Jesus despised the shame because on the cross, even though he hung naked, he despised the shame because he kept his guy on the end goal. You and I were the end goal. He kept his eye and he said, for the joy set before him, he suffered. So can you look at 2024 and say, God, yes, I want your plans, your purposes. But God, I will despise the shame. I, will don't, I don't care about the suffering. I don't care what 2024 brings. Whatever shame, whatever betrayal, whatever negativity, whatever criticism comes, I don't care. I'm keeping my eye on the end goal. I know that I don't care what people say about me. I don't care how much they criticize me. I don't care if they don't stand with me. I don't care, Lord, because I'm keeping my eye on the goal. I refuse to be put down. I refuse to carry the weight, the sin that so easily holds somebody back. I'm keeping my eye on the goal. I'm keeping my eye on the end goal. And this church will grow. We're going to have 5 million people saved worldwide. We're going to have 3,000 people, people online going through Bible college. We're going to be known as the city, the house of worship and prayer and love in San Diego. We are not stopping. I refuse to hold other people's burdens. I refuse to be put back. I refuse to pick up other people's shame and carry it. I won't hold Hold on to anything because I'm keeping my eye on the goal, and that's Jesus and what He's called us to. Amen. Determine that you don't care what comes in 2024. Be like, oh, 
If God shows you, oh, there's some heartbreak coming in 2024, be like, oh, I guess it's a year of growth. <laughs> there's some disappointments coming. Ooh, I'm going to grow a lot. If you could look and see every bad thing that's coming, go, ooh, bring it. Bring it. Because, God, you've got something big for me. I'm going to grow. I'm going to be a giant when I come out of this. I said to somebody the other day, because you won't believe what circumstances they've had to go through day in and day out. And I said to them, I said, you know, when you get to leave this place, I said, you're going to be a giant. Because you've had to lay down a fence after a fence every single day that's been done to you that's not deserved. I said, you're going to be a giant in the spirit. Because you're going to walk away from that in years to come and be like, oh, you think that offended me? Please try harder try harder because you don't understand what I've been through you don't understand what I've come through you don't understand the giant I am in the spirit God needs the giants this is the time that he's called us purposed us raised us up don't let whatever comes hold you down in the name of Jesus come on stand with me say no regrets in Jesus name I'll have my ministry team come forward thank you Lord Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for, we thank you for 2023. We thank you that we're still standing here today. And while we have breath in our lungs, you're not done with us. While we have a pulse, you have a plan. And so, Lord, I thank you for 2023. I thank you for holding us so close to your heart for keeping us, for never letting us go, God. But like a good father, for allowing us to grow. Thank you for the plans that you've got for us, God, that we can't even imagine how good they are. Because you're a good, good father always, first and foremost. But Lord, we dedicate ourselves to you as ambassadors for your kingdom. God, I choose your kingdom. Whatever suffering may come, I choose your kingdom. Whatever shame may come, I choose your kingdom. I choose you, Jesus. Today and forever, I choose you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. If you need prayer for anything, come down and see the ministry team. If you need prayer for healing, finances, whatever, you just want somebody to stand with you, come down front and just come and speak to them. They're down front to pray with you. But have a great, great afternoon. Pick a time where you can do some fasting and praying about your new year. Don't let the days get away from you. And seek the Lord. And I'm excited to see what God's got for each and every one of you in 2024. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Jesus loves you more.